Are you ready to build a business with consistent income and have time left to spend with your family? In Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the strategies to create exactly what you want in your business and in your life. Now, here's your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. And I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. And I'm so excited to present today's show to you. Today's show is all about the value of coaching. How do we actually coach our employees? And this is such an incredible topic for me. I woke up today and I realized I get to deliver a show that's so natural to me because I am a coach. I am an executive coach. And if you would have said that to me, or I would have, I never would have said that to you years ago. I actually had a moment. I remember this moment vividly. I was at a coffee shop with a friend of mine, somebody who had run an ad agency at the time I was running an ad agency, but I knew I was selling that ad agency. I was walking away from it into something else. And all I knew up until now was that I, I am a consultant. That's what I knew. I mean, I, my, my job life, my life since college had been, I was, I was a CPA out of college. So in that realm, I was a consultant to companies. And then I started my marketing firm and that was really, I was a consultant. I got paid for my opinion. Okay, so somebody has a problem, they give me money to solve the problem. And so I really prided myself in being a consultant, in being the person that people looked to, to have those, those kinds of conversations. They would give us that, they would, they would give me money to give them a solution. And so I was a consultant. And what I realized as I was in a conversation with my friend at this coffee shop, she says to me, but Kathleen, what if you're not a consultant? I said, what do you mean? What if I'm not a consultant? She says, well, what if that's not your skill? And I never really thought of anything else other than that. And she says, I've known you for a long time. Like, what if you're a coach? Like, what if that's really actually the space you get to be in? And I didn't really understand that the difference between consulting and coaching in that moment. And then I, she opened that space up for me. And I realized that consulting is having the answer. I'm going to have the answer and I'm going to give it to you. And coaching is knowing that you have the answer because you always had it all along. And my job is to evoke that answer in you, is to get you to realize that you have the answer. And all that stuff that's standing in the way gets to move out of the way. So that's the difference between a consultant and a coach. A consultant, I'm going to give you the answer. A coach, I believe that you have the answer. I know that you have the answer. And I'm going to support you in coming up with that answer. So now it's the whole, you could give somebody a fish and feed them for a day, or you can teach them to fish and then they'll have food for the rest of their life. And so that's the difference between coaching and consulting. And when that space opened up for me, I realized that consulting was, it's a wonderful way to earn a living. It's a wonderful way to give into your, your world and your community, but coaching was the space for me. And so what's happened in companies is so fascinating to me was that when I really looked at this, I looked at the last 150 years. Okay, so a big span of time, but let's just go back 150 years ago from today. And think about the time that, that existed at that point. People were all living on farms. I'm reading the Little House on the Prairie series with my youngest, my eight-year-old, with Andrew. And so we're reading about this time period of 150 years ago. And in that space, 
we would, you would do whatever you needed to feed your family or to take care of your house just to get through these rough winters. And then you would, you would enjoy the spring and the summer and the fall, but you, you worked, you were, you were running uh, some kind of, you, you were working on grain or you were raising animals or you were doing whatever, whatever work was required for your family to exist. That was how we lived. And we knew that as a community, we got to band together. In one of the books that we were reading, and the just I can't remember the, which one it was, but in the series, it was talking about one of the hardest winters. It was actually it was the long winter name of the book, and it was such a hard winter. And what happened is that the townspeople they realized that they weren't going to have enough food to get through the the, the winter. They had expected the train was going to come and support them, and the train couldn't get through because the winter was so bad. And so these two guys, like they weren't you know they weren't very old. They were maybe like. 20 and, and 16, Cap Garland and Almanzo Wilder, they said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We, we believe that maybe, we're not even sure, but maybe there's a guy that lives 12 miles away who has grain. Like in that period, 12 miles on a team of horses, that's a long way away, but he has grain, we've heard. So we're going to go 12 miles. We're not even really sure where, where 12 miles is. We kind of have an idea, but we're going to go there because if we don't, if we don't give this a chance, then people in town are going to die. And so 150 years ago, we really learned how to play teams so that we could all live. So these, these two guys, they go out in the middle of nowhere and they actually find this man who had grain. They, they brought it back. Somebody in town gave money. The, the town general store gave the money for these two guys to buy it from this gentleman. This gentleman sells it, they bring it back and everybody makes it through the winter. And so while this is a book, it is really close to what, what happened. And Laura Ingalls Wilder, when she wrote the Little House on the Prairies books, she was talking about what life was like. And so that was our experience 150 years ago. And then as we continued to, to evolve over the years, we walked, we walked into the industrial revolution. Okay, so the industrial revolution, and what that taught us was how managers really got created. So I would become, if I lived like 100 years ago, I would be a laborer. So I would learn a very specific skill like welding or piecing parts together or even sewing. And then as I progressed in my skill, the way that I knew that I was successful at it was that then I would grow and that I would become the people manager. So if I'm really good at my skill, where I evolved to was managing somebody else and showing them how to do this skill. So if I am great at sewing, now I'm going to teach somebody else how to sew. And, and the way that I'm going to manage them is by reporting how well they're actually doing at the skill. Okay, so if I know how to sew, I'm going to man, I'm going to look at your back stitch or your forward stitches or your hoop stitches. And I'm going to say, you are performing at a level of this, whatever this is. So at a level of 90% excellence or 80% excellence. So I'd have some kind of metric based on where I knew that that was possible. So if I knew some kind of skill, if I knew a forward stitch and I looked at their forward stitch and I said, huh, this stitch is pretty good, then they're doing okay. And then I'd say, oh, I see a little bit more and I teach them a little bit more so that they could grow in that skill. But they really couldn't grow past where I was because I couldn't teach them beyond that. So managing really became a thing in this industrial revolution. Management started to exist. 
And then as we continued on, really in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, we saw this term leadership develop. And now it's thrown everywhere. It's like this generic term of leadership. And what does that really mean? And leadership came about because now with, in management, when I knew a specific skill and I was able to demonstrate that skill and share that skill, well, what happened then with leadership was that this, this, the vision shifted. Things started changing. The world was, was in this state of disruption. And so it didn't mean that like, if I was the, the manager, like, what I was asking, it wasn't about sewing anymore. It was about like, solving problems. Okay, so law firms and advertising agencies and all these, these different kinds of companies started blossoming, started coming out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, the problems that I'm solving are not something that someone else has solved before. So now as a leader, my job is to support in navigating change. So as a leader, my job is to support in navigating change. And that worked for us for a really long time. And then leaders got asked, to hold another space. And that's the space over the last 10 or 15 years. And this is like, this is pre-pandemic conversation, but it's totally relevant today in the pandemic world that we're living in. And that is about coaching. Okay, and coaching is the space where I see where it's possible for someone to perform, like what their highest possibility is. And I see where they're performing and coaching is moving them from where they are to where they could be. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with how I can reach into that person, see what's possible for them and evoke them into that space. And that has come over the last 10 or 15 years. The coaching industry has really blossomed. And so a lot of companies that really get that coaching is an important part of their business. It really is how they grow their people. They hire external coaches to come in and support. And while that is incredibly valuable and people like me, whose business is as an external coach, we appreciate that. But I'm here to tell you, there's another level. There's another level. And what that is, is creating that level of coaching within a company. And that's where we're headed to next. So now people like me, instead of coaching one-on-one to people, to the executives and the companies, to entrepreneurs, now we're saying that's not enough. Because my job is not to make stars. Hey, I, I, Kathleen Reeson, am no longer committed to making stars in my life. It's not about that. What I'm committed to is creating star makers, which means now I coach people on how to evoke the greatness out of the people around them. So I already know that the person that I'm talking to, it's already table stakes is that they're evoked. They are where they get to be. They're playing a big game. That's table stakes, right? That's just happening. When I say table stakes, I mean, that's just natural. That's just happening. And now the next role, the next job is to teach and coach them on how to create that in someone else, in someone else. So my job is to reach through the person that I'm coaching into the next person and say, how do we see possibility in that person? And how do we evoke it? Where do we get to go so that that person gets to step into their greatness? Not the person right in front of me, but the next level. And so as an executive coach, that's where we get to go next. How do I coach into a person to teach them how to evoke it in someone else? Because in our companies, we have incredible talent. But what I know to be true beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that we, the average employee is showing up at 64%, 64%. And what I mean by that is 
of all that's possible, of everything that's possible for them to create, they're showing up at 64%, which means that 36% of what's possible for them is being left on the table. They're not even bringing it into work. They're leaving it at home. They're leaving it in the car. They're leaving it out in the world. They're not bringing it into work, which means that directly relates to profitability, to productivity, to satisfaction, and to joy. Those are the things that are not happening because we're playing at 64%. And I'm telling you that the difference is in how we coach our people, how we coach our people and being able to coach our people really opening up this space that it's a thing that we used to manage and then we used to lead and now we coach. And coaching is one of the highest forms of leading. It is one of the highest forms of leading and yet people resist it. People resist it. So I'm going to tell you about this study. And this was in Harvard Business Review. It's a beautiful study. There were 3,761 executives in this, this total pool of the study. So a lot of executives, 3,761. And the question that was asked is, how do you rank yourself? How do you feel like you do? Like, how effective are you at coaching? Okay, so 3,761 executives are asked, how effective do you believe you are at coaching? Okay, so they all ranked themselves, they gave themselves these numbers, and then they went and asked their peers or people in their companies, how effective do you believe that executive is at coaching? And here's the shocking part, okay, the shocking part, 24%, 24%, so a quarter of the executives that were asked. We're talking about a survey of 3,761. So like 800 people, essentially, maybe a little higher. Those executives, 24%, the ones that rank themselves uh, pretty darn high, were actually ranked among their peers at lower than one third effective. So that means that people said that they were really great at coaching. But the reality was when we asked their peers at how effective they were, they were in the bottom. They were not so great. And so the real question became, wow, are we disconnected to our results? How is that possible? It's not that they're not effective. That's not the challenge. It's the challenge is that they don't see it. They don't see it. They think that they are rocking it, that they are effective at coaching. And the reality is that they weren't. So one quarter are saying that I'm effective and that I'm not. That doesn't even take into account in the study, the number of people that just quite frankly, didn't even rate themselves as effective, which was 50%. So we got 50% that are saying, I'm not effective at coaching. We got 50% that did. And of those 50%, 25% of them are not effective at coaching. So based on this study, we're saying that one quarter of our executives of 3,761 executives get coaching, understand it, understand the value and know how to create it. Know how to evoke possibility in those around them. 75% don't. And that is a problem. That is a challenge because if we can't evoke greatness in the people around us, then how are we going to grow our visions? But I tell you, we have a solution and that's what we're going to spend talking about for the rest of the show. We're going to pour into how do we coach? You guys see the problem is right in front of us. And so now we get to address it. First, we're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk all about the tools of coaching. This is my gift to you. It's wrapped in the prettiest paper and the biggest bow because this, this conversation gets to happen. And I am lit up about it. So enjoy this quick break. You're listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. I'll talk to you in just a bit. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. 
By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Neeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. And today we are talking all about how to utilize coaching to effectively improve the performance of your employees. Coaching is one of the most valuable tools that we can utilize. And you guys, like 20 years ago, it didn't even really exist. One of my mentors is one of the considered one of the grandfathers of coaching, Michael Strasner. He's an incredible coach and, and mentor. And what I've learned from him is really how to hold people high and how to see their greatness, even when they don't see it. And the reality is most people don't see it. They don't see their greatness. They see what's right in front of them. And sometimes not even that, but they can see what's right in front of them, but they can't see their greatness. They can't see what's possible because for so long they've, they've beaten themselves up or the world has beat on them and they accept that as what is possible for them. So they can't talk about the business that they could create or how they could be the leader or the coach of other people, they can only see what's right in front of them. And our job as coaches is to see what's possible for them and to be the belief in that when they don't believe it. They get to lean on us for the belief because they don't get it yet, yet. And so we, we get to hold that space for them that it's possible up until they believe it for themselves up until they believe it for themselves. And then when they get there, that's when it can just be the space where they can then carry it. So it's this incredible gift that we get to give to people. And it starts, it starts with coming from a space of curiosity. It starts with coming from a space of curiosity. So curiosity, huh, the opposite of curiosity is judgment. And as a consultant, as a former consultant, I can say this, it's really easy to be in judgment. So listen to this. When I was in marketing, so when I, I ran a marketing firm for 10 years, I was in advertising before that. And what I would, when I worked with my clients on creating these strategic marketing plans, I would say to them, so tell me what's, what's worked 
and what hasn't worked. And then I would listen as they shared with me their experience of what's worked and what hasn't worked. And they would tell me about these tactics that worked and didn't work. And I would think, hmm, I could do that better. Or gosh, how could we flip this so it could work? And and so I would be in judgment of their past experience so that I could create a winning solution going forward. And judgment worked for me in that space because the end result was that I was collecting all of this information. I was judging what I saw so that I could give an opinion based on what I thought. But remember the difference between consulting and coaching is that in coaching, I believe that they have the answer. So when they say, I created this, I use like in marketing, I use this tactic. So let's be specific. So let's just say I ran some digital ads. And so if I'm a consultant, I'd be like, great. And what did that create for you? And they might tell me and I'd say, okay, well, I could do better. Or yeah, it's pretty good. And so I'm judge, I'm creating an opinion off of that. In coaching, I'd say, okay, so I hear you created digital ads. So how did you come up with the, the content for the ads? And I'd listen. Okay, and, and so where did you run these ads? And they'd tell me. And I'd say, well, what worked about that? And they would say, and I'd say, what did work about that? And then I'd listen to what they'd say. And I'd say, okay, well, what do you believe? Where do you believe you get to go next? And then I might say, are you open to feedback? And then I may give some feedback based on my experience, but the ultimate decision is in their hands. And I'm never removing that from their hands in coaching. It's always their decision. And I am holding the guardrails. So we're not totally off the train here because what I know to be true is, especially when we're making decisions, we, if we've got one decision path to make, there's one question we want to answer. What I know as human beings is we'll combine that into about a hundred We'll make one question into a hundred because we lose focus. That's our natural state as human beings is to lose focus. And it's why we, I say, manage your mind. And I say, be focused because when we lose our focus, we forget where we are. So the coach is the guardrails. So as a coach, I'm saying, well, remember, what was the question we're answering? What's the question we're answering? What's the question we're answering? Because then when new information gets brought in, that is not relevant to that question, we get to hold the guardrails. And so as a coach, that's what you're holding is the guardrails. You're not saying, hey, this is what you should do because the second that you issue that opinion, the second that you do that, you are taking, taking, literally taking the power away from the person that you're coaching. You're telling them that you can't make the decision. I'm going to make it for you. And guess what's going to happen next time that that person has a decision to make? Are they going to make it on their own or are they going to come to you to answer it for them? They're creating this belief now that I can't answer it. I got to go to my boss. I've got to go to my coach. And now you become a consultant. Now you become a consultant. And so there's a really fine line between coach and consultant. And it's the one that I see most often that's intermixed. And a lot of coaches will say that they're coaches, but they're really consultants. They're really hired to give an opinion. And so the value in coaching is that we never issue an opinion. We hold the space, we hold the guardrails, and we know that they have all the right answers. And here's the trick, hear it. If you have a pen or a pencil, write it down. In coaching, we get to let our students fail. You gotta let our students fail. And you guys, like, this is really hard for me to say. And it is the hardest part of me uh, 
as a coach, it's the hardest part for me as a parent. I mean, the reality is guys, most of the time when my kids were really, really little, yeah, I was a consultant as a parent. (laughs) I had the parenting role of consultant, like don't do this, do this really establishing safety. No, you may not slide down the stairs with a box over your head. Literally words that came out of my mouth. You may not slide down the stairs with a box on your head. Now, if I see my kids at the top of the stairs with a box, I'll say, what are you doing there? I become a coach as a parent and they'll say, well, we've got a box. Well, uh, <laughs> why do you have a box? Like, what, tell me more about that. Well, we're going to slide down the stairs with the box. Say, okay, okay, cool. I hear you. So um, there's a door at the bottom of the stairs. What do you think will happen if you pick up the speed here and you go down? What will happen? Oh, uh, we'll probably, probably crash into the door. Okay, well, what could happen? If you crash into the door, what's going to happen? Well, you know, we might, might, depending on how fast we go, we might break a few muscles or a few bones. Okay. Cool, I hear you. So you might break a few bones. All right, does that sound, is that what you want? Well, no. Okay, so are you gonna slide down the stairs with a box in your head? No. Okay, so now we've walked this down and they are making the decision. So as children get older, we, we shift from being a consultant to a coach. And it's the same thing with our employees or other people around us, where we get to walk them through like whatever their path is, we just walk them all the way through it. And if at the end they want that conclusion, then great, go down that path. And if it doesn't work out, if one of the things that we said was going to happen didn't actually happen, and let's just say the whole thing fails, is it really a failure? Is it really a failure? Because guys, like that's the perfect opportunity to learn. So now let's just say, let's use the example of no, you may not slide down the stairs with a box on your head. Let's just say my kids decide, yeah, you know what? I see the consequences. I could break my bones, but I believe that I can stop myself fast enough. I'll know before I hit the door. And they decided to do it anyway. They decide to do it anyway. And let's say that they do break their bones. All right, cool. Lesson learned. Are you ever going to do this again? I sure hope not. As the mom, I sure hope not. But no joke, that happened a few years ago. But I'll tell you what just happened this weekend, this weekend, Saturday night. This is the second time I've had this conversation with my eight-year-old son. He is, he provides so much content for a radio show. I think he could host his own radio show. So I'm with my eight-year-old. He's brushing his teeth. And I walk into my room to do something. I was, I mean, I was gone like 30 seconds, you guys. That's it. He's hey, it's not a big deal. I don't have to watch you every minute. And the kid is walking around the, like he's got his toothbrush in his mouth. He's still brushing his teeth like I asked, but he's now walking around the outskirts of the bathtub. Like, you know, you know I'm talking about like a bathtub. It sits higher up in the air. He's walking around the outside where he could easily slip and it's wet. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, he's going to fall and he's going to hit his head and we're going to have blood everywhere. And then, you know, the other kids are going to get freaked out. He's going to be hurt. And I mean, I went down this whole path and I said, Andrew, what are you doing? And he says, I'm brushing my teeth, mom. Oh, he doesn't see the dangers. Okay. So we walk through it, pull him down off the, the side of the tub. And I he finishes brushing his teeth and then he comes to the hallway and we're talking. And I said, Andrew, I, I hear you. I see that you wanted to, to, to walk around the side of the tub. So let's just, let's just go through what could possibly happen by, by creating this, by, by walking around the sides of the, the tub. And he was like, well, I could have fun. It's a balancing act. I'm practicing. And I get that like, to him. That is excitement. So he didn't see what else it could cause. Like, oh, and you could also slip and you could also hit your head and, 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 and. And then when he saw that, he says, mom, why didn't you tell me those, those reasons, those things? And I thought, why would I even, 
why would I even think that he would walk there? It wasn't even a, a thought. And he says, well, I didn't realize that that was something that could happen. So no, I'm, I'm not going to do it again. And I truly believe he won't. And we had the same conversation when one night we don't even, we don't put electronics in their rooms, but he was not feeling the greatest. He had a laptop, he was watching a show and he plugs in his laptop, leaves it on his comforter and falls asleep. And I went in that night and I saw it and I said, well, you know, that's laptops get pretty hot and it's a fire hazard. And when he woke up that next morning, we talked about it. He had no idea that it was a fire hazard. It wasn't even a thought in his mind. And he goes to, if I would have known, why didn't you just tell me all of this stuff? So consultant, why didn't you just tell me never to put my laptop in my bed and fall asleep? It didn't even cross my mind. So this concept of how do we actually coach, right? How do we coach? So sometimes do we have to be a consultant? Maybe, maybe. It, could I list every single thing that my kids could possibly have go in a way that, that I wouldn't want it? Like maybe. And when they're little, absolutely, I get to share that with them. But there comes a time where I get to, I get to be a coach and I get to hold the space where they're, well, they get to be safe, but while we also get to hold them in what is possible, okay? We get to hold them what's possible. And so the same thing happens with our employees, the people around us, it's all the same thing. I get to share with them like, okay, let's talk about what's going, what are these decision points in your mind? And let's just go down them. Let's just go down them. Like, let's just walk through what if, what if, what if, what if, and we'll explore all these options. And at the end of the day, you're going to pick not me. And I'm not going to be in judgment of what you decide. Because whatever you decide will be perfect and we'll learn from it and then we'll go forward. Would it be what I would pick? Maybe, maybe not. And it doesn't matter because here's a golden rule. Coaching is not about me and it's not about you. It's about the person that's in front of you. It's about them understanding what's possible for them. It's about them being in ownership of their choices. It's not about them giving their power to you as their coach. It's about them knowing that they are powerful and that they get to make choices. And if those choices result in consequences that they didn't want to pay, then they're going to learn something from them. We're going to learn something from it. And going forward, we are the guardrails. So we can say, remember last time when you went that way and you created that consequence, do you want to create that consequence again? So guardrails, we are the guardrails. All right, we are going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue this conversation on coaching, how to coach, what it looks like, what it sounds like. So enjoy this quick break. You're listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be back just after this break. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. 
Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. I am your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we are talking all about coaching and why it is so important in our organizations and in our life. Right before the break, I was talking about how I coach my children. I coach my children the same way that I coach my employees and other people in my life. The coaching is just such a way of life. It's saying that I don't want anybody's power. The reality is I don't need it. I don't want anybody's power. And when people ask me to make decisions for them, they're giving me their power and I don't want it. I want them to be empowered. And so my job is to hand it back and say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make your decisions for you because guess what? You get to make them. And I know you can make them confidently. So one of the things uh, that in order to be a coach, this is one of the things, and it's one of the hardest things for people. So uh, I'm gonna, we're going to dig into it. And so being a coach requires that we stand as an interruption. We stand as an interruption. And so people that have a people pleaser, that, that want to make sure that everybody around them likes them and everything is like even, coaching could be for you, but you get some growth before that because the people pleaser gets in the way of being an interruption for other people. So being an interruption, what I mean by that is if where we are, so remember when I said that the average person is performing at 64% of what's possible for them, the difference between performing at 64% and 100%, that's the gap. So 36%, so we said their average is performing at 64%. We said if 100% is total, then the gap is 36%. Well, what's in the way is typically a blind spot. So just like in a car where there's a blind spot where you can't quite see it, it's the same thing with what's in the gap. We have blind spots. And unless someone taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, I love you enough to share with you what I see, my experience of what's in the blind spot, we'll never know. And in order to be the one that taps somebody on the shoulder and says, hey, you get to stand as an interruption because oftentimes somebody's not expecting that feedback. They're not expecting that feedback. And so we get to come from a space of love and know that giving feedback is one of the most loving things that we can give to each other. It's the best gift that we could ever give. Because if nobody's willing to stand in your blind spot, then how are we ever going to grow? How are we ever going to grow? And so that's the value of being an interrupter. But remember, it's coming from a space of love. And oftentimes, like in society, we told ourselves, unless you have something nice to say, don't say it. Unless you have something nice to say, don't say it. And so we tell ourselves that feedback, feedback is not something that's valuable or not something that people would want. In reality, that's not the case. I want to know where my blind spot is or I can't grow. And so here's the piece. If you're going to provide feedback, you want to be an interrupter. Here's the piece that you get to get to include. It is, are you open to feedback? It's a question. Okay, so right when you see somebody who's performing at 64% or who really wants to get somewhere, you know where their vision is and you can see what's stopping them. The first question you ask them is, are you open to feedback? And if they say no, if they say no, don't give your feedback. I was just on a meeting this morning. I was in this meeting and this person who always says, I'm always open to feedback. You don't have to ask me that question anymore. By the way, if they say that to you, that's BS. We get to ask it over and over and over again. And what I realized was that question got missed. And if we had asked that question and this person was honest, the answer would have been no. And we would have saved quite a bit of time 
because that person was not open to feedback, which means nothing that comes out of their mouth, of our mouth after that matters. They're not listening. They are shut down. And I have a rule on my team. Okay. So this is my employees, my companies. If you're not open to feedback, you're not on the team. If you're not open to feedback, you're not on the team. Now I get that we can get kind of nerdy. We can get into a space where in the moment we're not open to feedback. And so at that point we get to coach around that or we get to give them space to move through that. Maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's a week. But if we have a consistent pattern where somebody's not open to feedback, then they're not on the team. It's not, it's not the culture that they want to be in and they can go be successful somewhere else. But if you're not open to feedback, you're not on the team because that is what is table stakes. Okay, table stakes. And when I say table stakes, I mean, that is what is expected. So when you're a part of the team, it means you're open to feedback. You're open to feedback and you're open to coaching. But the second that you say, no, I'm not open to coaching and you shut down, you can't grow anymore. It's the same as saying, I'm not open to growth. I'm just going to stay at 64% and I'm not going to grow and I don't need to go anymore. So get out of my way. That's the same words. I'm not open to coaching. I'm not open to growth. I'm fine where I am. And when you have a growth company, when you're focused on growth and development, that does not work. So now we get to stand as the interruption. So first question, are you open to feedback? And if they say yes, then here's the other place you get to go. Okay. My experience of you is my experience of you is, and then you can deliver your feedback. Oftentimes when we deliver feedback, we'd say you are, you are, which is me saying, this is how you are. Well, I am not the creator of the universe. I am not the all powerful and almighty person. I cannot determine what you are. I can only tell you what my experience is. I can only tell you what my experience is. And my mentors, he says a lot. He says, if somebody tells you that you're, I'll use the word horse on radio, but you, you, you ass, okay? If you're an ass, we'll use the word horse. If somebody tells you you're a horse, tell them, thank you. If a second person tells you that you're a horse, tell them thank you. And if a third person tells you that you're a horse, buy a saddle, buy a saddle. So that's what feedback is. You get to decide whether that feedback is relevant to you or not. But if you say my experience of you is, it's putting it in a place where I'm not being judgmental. I'm not saying this is the definitive. I'm saying, look, how you're showing up, this is what I experience of you. And when we come from that place, then I can receive that feedback and say, oh, okay, thank you. Maybe relevant, it may not. I may have heard it before, it may not. But either way, my experience of you is. So first, if we're gonna stand as an interruption, we're gonna ask for permission. Are you open to feedback? Second, we're gonna say my experience of you is, and then we're gonna land powerful feedback. We're not gonna land it from a place of wishy-washy or wobble, which would sound like my experience of you is, uh, it's not very, like, not nice. Like not direct. I know there's something you want to say, but uh, I just don't always understand it. Okay, that's wishy-washy or wobbly. I'm digging through. If I'm receiving the feedback, I'm digging through to hear what it is that you're really wanting to say. So when you're landing feedback, land it, get in and get out. Get in and get out. And so here's what, what feedback would sound like. My experience of you is not being direct. My experience of you is indirect. My experience of you is harsh. My experience of you is uncomfortable. My experience of you is, and then you can go on and on and on. And you could also say my experience of you is loving. 
my experience with you is kind. My experience with you is compassionate. So we, we don't have to just land negative feedback. And I say negative as in something that would, we get to land whatever we see. Okay. So, so we're not, we're not intending to hurt. We're saying, look, if this is where you want to go, here's what I see is in the way. So let's give you another example. That's, that's concrete on this. Let's say that, uh, well, okay. I have a friend right now who is articulating what her vision is. She has lots of visions. They're all great. I mean, one vision, but lots of different places, but there's about a hundred different ways she could get there. And what I see in her way, knowing what she wants to create, what I see in her way is being decisive. It's knowing that there's no perfectionism. Like, so perfectionism is getting in the way. She wants it to be right. She's looking for the right solution. But the reality is there is no right solution. Like being willing to fail, being willing to get it wrong so that she can still move forward. So my experience is that's what's in the way. Now that may not be what's in the way. It may be something entirely different, but that's my experience of it. So if I'm talking to my friend, I would say, hey, are you open to feedback? And she would say, yes. And I would say, my experience of you is getting it right. My experience of you is perfectionism. My experience of you is holding so tight to what it's got to look like that exactly how it could look cannot come through. And then here's the last piece when we're being an interruption. We say, what do you hear me saying? What do you hear me saying? And the reason that we say that is because what we're saying and what somebody else is hearing may not be the same thing. If I said the sky is red, and somebody else said, but I've walked outside every single day, every day of my life, and it looked like the sky was blue. I'm so confused. They may hear me saying the sky is blue because in their mind, maybe she's gotten it wrong. She was talking about the sky. It's blue. And so now when I say, what do you hear me saying? They say, well, the sky is blue. Or they're so distracted in their own thoughts. They didn't even actually hear anything that I said about the sky. And they're looking at a wall and the wall is painted blue. And so now they say the wall is blue. And I'm sitting here saying, okay, pause, because what you just heard me say and what I said were not the same things. So now as a master communicator and as a coach, I can say, pause, I hear what you're saying, that the wall is blue. Okay, let's start over, new moment, fresh moment. And what I'm saying to you is the sky is blue. What do you hear me saying? And so this whole new moment, pause, it's like amnesia to the past. What happened in the past, we're going to, we're going to get rid of that. And now here, I want to land this communication. When we look at challenges in our companies, when we look at communication with our spouses or with our kids or with our friends or anybody around us, this piece that I'm teaching you right now is one of the most important pieces. What do you hear me saying? Because oftentimes our language gets intermixed with a lot of other jumble in somebody's mind and what they hear us saying and what we said are not the same things. And if we don't ask, what do you hear me saying? We'll never know what the gap is. We'll never know what the gap is. So now when I add into my language, what do you hear me saying? Now they can hear it in a way that they couldn't before. And now I can ensure that what I wanted them to hear is what they're hearing. That's the power of coaching. That's the power of coaching. So first, are you open to feedback? If there are no, get out. Doesn't matter what you say. It's a waste of your time and a waste of your breath. Two, my experience of you is get in and get out, be direct. Three, what do you hear me saying? 
What do you hear me saying? Those are the three cornerstones of coaching. So when we're coaching, remember that when whatever we see, like wherever the gap is, if somebody's performing at 64% and we know what 100% looks like, we can identify what's in the way. And we're saying, are you open to feedback? My experience of you is, what do you hear me saying? So that is the crux of how we deliver feedback. And so now when I say be an interruption, it means you're going to walk through that process with someone. You're going to hold them high and trust that what you have to say is going to support them in getting where they want to go. It is not about you. You are simply standing as an interruption to what's not working for them. And they don't know what's not working. They only know that something's not working. And so now they may not like the feedback you're giving them. They may not like that you're the person that's doing it, but they certainly respect you. They absolutely respect you. And that's the difference. I don't need people to like me. I, I have so many friends. I love my friends. I'm sure would I like more friends? Absolutely. But the reality is many of my friends make me incredibly uncomfortable because I ask them to. I ask them to continually point out my blind spot and they love me enough to say yes. They love me enough to point that out. And so that's the difference. Think about the people around you. Who's interrupting what's not working in your life? Who's a stand for you for what's possible? Because if you don't have those people in your life, you're not getting where you want to go because we can't serve as our own blind spot navigator because we can't see it. And that's why having a coach in your life is so valuable. It's why the people that are most successful, they have coaches. They have people that are willing to point that out. It's why coaching just gets to be so ingrained in your company. It's not something that can only be handled from the outside. It's got to be who your company is. And that is where we're headed as companies with the amount of disruption and change in this world. There is no other way. This is where we're going in the world. This is the, the coaching culture of a company will shift dramatically over the next, few, the next few years, mark my words. And it starts here. It starts with us building a culture of coaching. So we're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to wrap all of this together and see how we can actually build that culture of coaching right in your company, right around you. All right, guys, enjoy this quick break. You're listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and I will be back with you here in just a few minutes. Bye. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Neeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Neeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Neeson. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. And for the last 45 minutes, we've been talking 
all about coaching and the value that it can be in your companies. And remember, 150 years ago, coaching was not a thing. Managing wasn't even a thing. Leadership wasn't even a thing. But then as we progressed, the industrial revolution happened. We got really great at a skill. We got really great at a skill. And then we learned how to teach other people the skill and management became a thing. And then the world became less and less about creating something specific and more ambiguous. And as the world became ambiguous, then this whole spot of how do we actually create, how do we navigate through change? And the people that really navigated through change and were able to share with others how to do that, they became known as our leaders. So those are our leaders. And now we're in the space of, it's not okay that one person or a group of people can tell us how to navigate and can, can lead the go first. Now we all get to be those leaders. And that requires coaching. That requires coaching. And so now what we see happening in the business world is that coaching is becoming ingrained in how we go about our days. Now, instead of being a manager or a leader, my job is to coach. My job is to evoke the greatness in the people around me. And it's not just at work. It's at home. It's with my spouse. It's with my, it's with my kids. It's everywhere. It's in my community. It's in my volunteer world. I get to coach, which means I get to believe that it's not about me. It's not about me. I have reached a level in my life. And I believe if you're listening, you have too, where it's no longer about being a star. It's no longer about being a star. I've, I've reached, and I say this so humbly, but I've gotten the lifetime achievement award in the advertising industry. I have my CPA license. I'm a recovered CPA. I've run over seven businesses. I have reached a peak where if I got one more credibility, honor, award, like great. I mean, it would still mean a lot to me, but at the end of the day, it's no longer about what I can achieve because I don't, I've already reached the marks. I know that whatever I set forth, I will create that. So I'm already a star. I've already received those honors. So my job no longer is to be the star. My job is to be the star maker, the star maker. And oftentimes we see the shift happen in people, gosh, around in their fifties. And it's when they shift from into being a mentor. Okay, you hear those words mentor. And so now we're saying mentor is still got an element of coaching to it. I know something and I'm going to give it to you. And now we're saying coaching as a way of life. And how do we coach people? How do we evoke their greatness in a way that it doesn't matter how old we are? It doesn't matter what we know. It, what I know is that I see that everyone has greatness in them. I see that everyone has potential. I see what's possible for those around me and I'm going to hold them there and I'm not going to let them off it. I'm not going to let them off it. So when they say, gosh, I'm too tired to show up in my vision today. Gosh, I'm, I'm just going to hang out and accept 64% of productivity. It's cool. I'm good today. We get to be the interruption to that. We, as coaches, get to be the one that says, no, you're the one that told me last week that when you show up at 64%, I get to call you forward. And I'm going to give you a question to ask that I ask whenever I have a new coaching client. And ever, whenever I start working with a new executive or entrepreneur, here's what I ask them. This is it. So write it down. I say, when we're successful, you will want to quit. Okay? So I can tell you if I'm coaching somebody for six months, it happens in about three months, you'll forget this. If you're going to call me and ask me to, do you want to coach with me? You'll forget this. But about three months, about three months, you'll call and say, I'm done because it will get so uncomfortable for you that you'll want to quit. And what that means is a yes moment. You are up against your wall. 
you're up against your wall. So you have been moving and moving and moving and you're up against your wall and now you want to quit because you're tired. And so what I'll ask you from day one is when you get up against that wall, what do you want me to say to you? What do you want me to say? And what you'll tell me are the answer that those words will be exactly what I'll say to you. So three months later, when that happens, when you say, I'm out, I'm out, I'll say, okay, hey, do you remember three months ago when we started talking and I said, I said, hey, there's going to come a day when you're going to want to quit. What do you want me to say to you? And you said this. And I just repeat that conversation. And you know what happens every single time? Person I'm coaching says, oh, okay, yeah, all right, good. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. And so that's the beauty of it. We know that if we're pushing ourselves every single day, we're playing all out, we're going to want to quit. And it's okay. It's okay. But I know that if we don't have a coach around us, we haven't built a culture of coaching in our companies, in our lives, then we'll quit. But when you have somebody, a coach that's holding the guardrails, that's saying, it's okay. You guys remember, this is awesome. We said this was going to happen. We said you'd want to quit. And so, yay, congratulations for playing a big game and you want to step out. I hear you. And what are you committed to? And when we play that game, when we're there, that's when the magic happens. That's how we break through. That's how we change that blind spot to something totally different. That's when our limiting belief or our barrier busts away and we move through it. We celebrate these achievements, but it is so important to have somebody around you that is willing to hold those guardrails, that is willing to be the interruption, that is willing to provide the feedback, that is willing to go all the way and hold your vision. And guess what's in it for them? Maybe some money because they're getting paid to coach. Great. And it's not about that. It's about people that are committed to being star makers, that are committed to your achievements being their achievements, to knowing that their greatness is evoked by how they can reach through someone else and create results. I no longer hang my hat on what I can create myself. I hang my hat on what I can create through others, through others, because that is a testament to true leadership. That is what coaching is all about. And that is what I am a stand for. So if anything that you've heard on this call today, it brings up questions for you and you, or you want to talk about it, or you want to look at coaching call me. Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I'm one of the easiest people to find. Call me, email me, get a hold of me because this is so important. We get to learn the fundamentals of coaching and how this plays out in our world. It's so important to how we create the world that we want to live in. We can't wait for somebody else to create it. We get to create it for ourselves. We get to create it for our kids. We get to create it for the next generation and the people that we'll never see because we said so. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening today to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson on Inspired Choices Network. I can't wait to see you next Monday. Have a fantastic day. Bye. Thank you for listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Would you like to be on the show or do you have a show idea? Go to KathleenReason.com forward slash radio. Have a great week.